you know, we want to make sure that this community thrives. Our vision statement has prosperity in it because we want to make sure that, you know, communities that live around the lake all throughout the basin appreciate what we have here and know how valuable it is and want to stay and grow and thrive, whether it's Jefferson Parish or any of the parishes in the basin. Welcome to Jefferson Parish Pulse, powered by JEDCO, a podcast designed to showcase the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make up the heartbeat of the Jefferson Parish economy. I'm Kelsey Scram. This season, we have focused many of our episodes on our Spend Local JP campaign, featuring homegrown Jefferson Parish-based businesses and their stories of growth and success in our community. When we encourage our residents to spend local, we also encourage them to stay local, to experience the many natural amenities and resources that make this region so special and unique. With that in mind, we thought about our waterways, living with water and the importance of our coast in our marshes, and that, of course, got us thinking about hurricanes. The 2020 hurricane season, much like the last seven months of 2020, has been ripe with challenges and uncertainty. I saw an Instagram post by NOLA.com that said in this hurricane season alone, Louisiana has been in the cone of uncertainty six times. With an active season like this one, it's valid to question what all of this means for our coast. Hurricanes have the capacity to exacerbate coastal erosion, which is already such a critical issue for our state. The Pontchartrain Conservancy is a nonprofit designed to support an environmentally sustainable, prosperous, and resilient region through scientific research, education, and advocacy. As the Louisiana coastline continues to vanish, which opens us up for more dangerous impact from storms and flooding, we are lucky to have this leading organization using science, data, and a deep passion for our waterways to sustain our coast. Their work ensures that all of us can continue to go to work in this area for many, many years to come. It was a true pleasure to speak with Christy Trail, the executive director of the Pontchartrain Conservancy. On this episode, Christy and I talk about the impacts of this hurricane season on our coastline, how the Pontchartrain Conservancy's work is tied to the prosperity of our region, and the importance of our coast and our waterways to the rest of the country. As you'll often hear me say, I loved chatting with Christy, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Christy, thank you so much for being on the show. We are thrilled to have you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Well, one of the questions that I've been asking all of our guests basically since this pandemic started is, how are you? I like to do a quick pulse check with everybody. These are really unprecedented times, and you know, we just want to hear how people are doing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So far, so good. I count myself among many of the fortunate people. Um, Been surviving okay, no health issues. Uh, My mom is elderly, lives here in town. She's also okay and doing great. Um, So really glad to hear that. Um, You know, hindsight's 2020. Who knows if we actually had the virus or not, but so far feeling good. (laughs) Good. I am glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. Well, please tell us a little bit about the Pontchartrain Conservancy. What does your organization do? Uh, we are a scientific nonprofit. We've been around for over 30 years and recently changed our name. So a lot of people do know us by our former name, which is Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. 
but through the course of this year, um, you know, lots of changes going on in the world. So why not us go through a change as well, right? We um, changed our name and our logo. But what I'm most excited about is our new tagline, Science for Our Coast. So I think to me, that really explains the work that we do. Mm -hmm. um, we've been doing science again for over 30 years in the Pontchartrain Basin and still continue that today. I love that. Um, and tell me a little bit about the Pontchartrain Basin. I, I'm just going to come in here and say that I, I, I did a little bit of research and I, I know now, but I think our listeners would love to, to hear what that is. Sure. So, um, you know, basin, some people call it a watershed. It's really looking after all of the water that flows into Lake Pontchartrain and out of Lake Pontchartrain. Mm -hmm. You know, the one key piece here is I think a lot of people are used to saying the words Lake Pontchartrain, but it's actually not a lake. It's an estuary, which means it has water that flows in from all different sources, both salt water and fresh water to make for that brackish environment. So when we talk about the basin, we're talking about the whole watershed of that estuary, which goes all the way up to East Baton Rouge Parish, actually even a bit into Mississippi, um, all of that water that flows all the way on the East Bank down to the tip of Plaquemines Parish, 16 parishes and 10,000 square miles. That's the Pontchartrain Basin. Wow. That's a huge area that you guys yes. are, are taking care of. I love this mission. I think it's just so wonderful and so important. Um, you mentioned how long um, the organization has existed. Do you have a set of employees and then you also rely on volunteers or, or how, how does it work? Yes. Like most nonprofits, we're heavily dependent upon volunteers and we have a great set of volunteers. Currently, we have about 25 full-time employees and we have about five to eight part-time employees, just kind of on any given day. Um, and then we also have a number of AmeriCorps members that work with us, basically full-time, right? They're essentially interns that do some great work for us. Um, and a lot of contractors in the area that may come in and work on a particular project. But at the end of the day, it's you know about 25 full-time employees and we're housed in two different office locations. And where, where are you based? So our centerpiece key location is the New Canal Lighthouse Museum, which is located at the end of West End Parish, uh, West End Boulevard in Orleans Parish. And then we also have an office um, in Jefferson Parish on Causeway Boulevard. Perfect. We love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you got involved with this organization. What really drew you to Pontchartrain Conservancy? Well, I'm a lifelong New Orleanian. Um, I actually grew up in Metairie on Lake Pontchartrain. Um, and this is back in the, well, I won't have to tell you when, <laughs> but it was back when Lake Pontchartrain was a heavily polluted body of water. Mm -hmm. So for me, growing up on Lake Pontchartrain and seeing that body of water and knowing what it used to be, and I remember when this organization was started. I remember when it started in 1989. In fact, I had the bumper sticker, Save Our Lake, on my car because I knew that this gym needed to be revitalized. And so, you know, as I went throughout my career watching this organization and pursuing my career, I never really thought the two paths would meet. But about five years ago, I kind of just had a light bulb go off in my head. It says, I need a career change. Um, it's time to get out of the engineering world and go do some good in the world. And this job was available and I was all in. I really wanted it. I was so excited to get it. And I'm still loving being here every day. It's great. 
It is so clear that you are incredibly passionate about this work, and that is really great when you can immerse yourself in something that really speaks to you. Let's talk a little bit about coastal restoration, and please forgive me because I am not super well-versed in all of this, but your work is focused not just on these inland waterways, but also the coast and coastal restoration, right? Does it all kind of tie together somehow? does. I mean, we do a lot of coastal work. Um, I mean, really, if you look at this portion of Southeast Louisiana, it almost is all coastal. Almost every, you know, resident here in this portion of the state touches water in one way or another. And so we're looking after all of that. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, only the Chandelier Islands, but it's all the portions of what, you know, we call as, as scientists that study this every day, we call all of it the coast. And so we're looking after it what's changing, what's changed over the past 30 years since we've been around. And even prior to that, is the salinity changing in point A and point B? Um, Are there more trees? Are there less trees? And then what should there be? What would we like to see to protect this whole area to make sure we can continue living here? Let's talk about some of those major projects that you've worked on over the years. You know, we can talk about the ones from before, but also some that you were most proud of since becoming executive director. Yeah. So, I mean, I will start with one from before. I think it's really amazing that this organization did what it did with Lake Pontchartrain itself. You know, as I mentioned, growing up on the lake, um, there were just days where it was just, you know, there were fish kills, there was trash washing up on the shoreline. And you look at it today and it's this beautiful, pristine body of water. And it really is credit to this organization um, to work with so many businesses, residents, Uh, the government to get that body of water cleaned up. And so today we still continue that kind of partnership mentality, working with businesses, working with residents, working with local government, state government, federal government to clean up waterways all throughout the entire basin. And one project we recently just released a report on, in fact, just last week, relates to the Mississippi River Gulf Outlet. So, you know, this was a man-made waterway constructed to ease navigation It was closed in 2009 because post-Katrina, I think we learned a lot from that waterway that it wasn't necessarily beneficial to the residents of the community. Maybe a little bit of help to shipping, but, um, you know, more detrimental to the folks living in and around the basin. So that waterway was closed. Fast forward 10 years after it's been closed, the studies that we have done now have shown how effective it has been to have it closed not just to protect us from storm surge, but also to restore the estuary. It's limited the amount of salt water that can enter the lake, which has allowed for more trees to be planted because now it's the perfect environment for these trees to grow and to thrive. And you look at things like the Bucktown Marsh, which Jefferson Parish is working to revitalize, those grasses and trees wouldn't survive if all that salt water was entering from the Mr. Go. Mm. So since it's been closed now for 10, well, I guess now 11 years, um, we have the data now that we've been studying to say, look how beneficial it's been since it closed. So I'm really excited to be able to show that. That's fantastic. And you mentioned the, the Bucktown Marsh. This organization played a major role in the construction of the Bucktown Marsh Boardwalk. And this is a JP-based project that provides our residents with a great way to get out in nature and enjoy all of this nice fall weather that we're having right now. Can, can you talk a little bit about that project and, and its importance in our community? Of course. I mean, for us, you know, we're, 
we're scientists, we're nature people. We love seeing people get outside and enjoy. You know, as I mentioned, we're really proud of the fact that we got Lake Pontchartrain cleaned up. Well, the next step is getting people out to enjoy it. So this is just a great partnership between us and Jefferson Parish. Um, the parish really took the lead to go out and find all different sources of funding, get that boardwalk constructed. We have been so excited to partner with them. You know, what we bring to the table, again, is more of the science, looking at the plant life that is out there. What are native plants and what are invasive species? Mm -hmm. Which ones of these would we like to keep to educate the public when they are out here to show, hey, these grasses, these trees, this is what you need. Here's a little, you know, piece of wetland here that you can look at, but this is what we need all along our coast. So just take a look at this one, how gorgeous it is. Just imagine what it looks like, you know, all along the coast. Um, and the birds that you see out there, um, it's just a great way to connect with nature. And we're so excited to have it. That is wonderful. I'll need to get out there and check that out. We know that this work that you do is so extremely critical, um, especially right now as our coastline continues to disappear. And we're seeing, you know, this really challenging hurricane season, which we'll talk about in a minute too. But let's talk about the level of urgency here. How important is it for our coast to be prioritized right now. It's very important. I don't know that I can say it's more important than ever before because it's always been important. And I think the key here is that the state has done a phenomenal job. I mean, really has built a model for the rest of the country, really for the rest of the globe and putting together a master plan to restore the coast. And that was not done in a vacuum. That was working with stakeholders such as ourselves, you know, the science that we bring to the table to kind of validate, yes, we like this project, you know, okay, we would prioritize A over B, um, but also bringing together community members, people that work in commercial fishing, you know, users of our coast all together to buy into one single plan. And now the state is working to implement that plan. And I think the state has come so far and really built this amazing plan. It's important that we keep going on that path, keep that plan going, you know, recognize each year things will change, things will tweak, maybe a priority shifts from A to B within a parish, but making sure that that plan is executed each year. That's the one message we keep bringing up to Baton Rouge and to DC to our elected officials to say, keep working with the state on this plan. You got this far, just keep doing it. Because without it, we're not going to be able to live in this community. New mm -hmm. Orleans has been around for 300 years. It needs to be around for the next 300. I'm sure in Baton Rouge, that they're very receptive to this. But do you also see that in, in DC? Does everyone sort of understand the full gravity and weight of this, uh, this push? I think today, yes, we've got a lot of great education and buy-in at the federal level. Ten years ago, maybe not so much, but I really credit a lot of the partners that we work with here in South Louisiana have really gone all in in that effort to make sure that our elected officials at all levels know how we got in this situation. Yes, part of it we did do to ourselves. A lot of it we really did to support the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And so... Louisiana is important to the rest of the country. And I think that's the message we always try to bring to DC. Do you want shrimp on your table? Yes, of course. Everybody wants to get shrimp on their table. Well, you need Louisiana. But do you also want to be able to turn on your stove in the evening and turn that heater on and have heat when it gets cold? 
guess what? That also comes from Louisiana because all that natural gas is coming straight up from our coast Mm -hmm. to the Northeast. So those are the messages we try to bring, why it's important to help us restore this coast. We can do it. There is a plan. There is a way to do it to protect this area and restore the coast. We just got to stick to the plan. I love that. That is fantastic. Well, we should also, as I mentioned before, talk about this hurricane season that we've had. Our marshes and our coast are the first line of defense against these hurricanes. So how has this season affected the coast or what are some of the issues that you're seeing? I mean, I know anytime we have hurricanes, it's, it's not, it's not great (laughs) for the coast, right? No, it's not. But this is, you, you mean, you raised such a great point, how important our coast is to protecting us from hurricane storm surge. I mean, that is the one big message. We talk a lot about levees here in South Louisiana and levees are very important, but levees are completely ineffective without the wetlands in front of them. So, you know, you look at areas that have an expanse of marsh or swamp ahead of a levee, then that levee does do its job. But if you just have a levee, you know, a flat out wall along the coast, there's no way it's going to be able to withstand some of the storm surge. And especially this year where it keeps happening, you know, feels like about every two weeks we get another storm coming in. So (laughs) it's just vitally important that this whole system works together we call it multiple lines of defense. Mm -hmm. And we always preach that you have to have all components of the system working together. You can't have one, you can't just have levees. You have to have all components of the system working together. When you have them all, it works just like a chain. So what would you say are some of your top priorities for the rest of the year? So for us, we're really working again, closely with the state and ensuring that the master plan continues to move forward. Currently, the state is working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to implement a project along the Mississippi River called the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion. And so we'll be watching the uh, movement of that proposed project, which will involve securing federal permits, a federal you know, public comment period, all of that leading up to construction. So as the reports and permit applications begin coming out, which may happen at the end of this year, maybe in the beginning of 2021, we'll be watching that to just, you know, review the permit applications, submit our comments, because that is one big key project we really want to see move forward. And it's going to start moving forward this year. That's amazing. So it sounds like you guys stay very busy. Has the conservancy been impacted by COVID-19 at all? What are some of the challenges that you've faced during the pandemic, if any? So, you know, I don't know that we're unique. Um, We're not in the hospitality industry. So uh, we were fortunate for that. You know, we were able to continue some of our work. And we were just sad to see so many industries that were really just hard hit by, you know, a lot of the shutdown. For us, what it meant in the very beginning, when we were in that very early phase zero, we just like everyone else, you know, went home, shut our doors and did these virtual meetings, you know, occasionally. As we began to move forward, I think the hardest part for our staff, mostly being scientists that are typically out in the field collecting data, we weren't able to go do that for a period of time. So we were concerned about losing just some of these continuous data sets that we've been collecting data for 30 years, you know, every week, every day, um, you know, having that gap in the data because we love long-term trends. Um, but by about June, so about three months in, we were able to get back out in the field. So, you know, again, feel very fortunate that we were able to 
work a little bit remotely for a period of time and then get back out into the field, you know, following all the guidelines, collecting our data um, and starting to crank out some reports again. So, you know, most of our staff, just similar to most folks in the world, we've just encountered some hurdles here and there with um, childcare issues and school and elderly, you know, loved ones that people are taking care of, but we've been able to work through it. So again, I feel very fortunate for that. That's excellent. And I I love when you're talking about how excited you are to crank out reports again. That is (laughs) such a, I feel like that's such a scientist thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) We, you know, people are like, oh, I'd love to read your report. And when I send them our reports, which are quite lengthy and detailed, like, oh, okay, there's a lot of information. This might take me a few days, not five minutes. <laughs> it's clear that the how important that data is and how how much of a deep dive your team does when you're out in the out in the field. That's fantastic. So is would you say that most of your team is made up of scientists and engineers? Is that the you know, the twenty-five folks that are on the team? What is that what does that employee breakdown look like? Yes, the majority of our staff are scientists. I am an engineer, um, although that's not our typical um, employee here. Most are in the environmental science field, um, ecology, biology, uh, and out, you know, collecting data. We also do operate the museum, as I mentioned, and on staff there, we have educators who work with students all throughout the 16 parish region to educate both teachers and students about the work going on and why our estuary is important to, you know, people that live here. Because the crazy thing is, and a science teacher showed me this um, from Southeast Louisiana last year, one of the science textbooks that she was using to teach her students was teaching them about the Everglades in Florida. What? And we were like, what? You need to be learning about the Louisiana coastline. So that's a lot of what we're trying to do is make sure the teachers have the tools that they need to educate students following the state guidelines about our wetlands, about our coast and our birds that are here, you know, the bald eagles we have here, not what's going on in another state. That's amazing. I'm I'm actually quite shocked to hear that the textbooks do not include, you know, information about Louisiana. I'm glad that there is work that is being done to educate our students about our own communities. Tell us a little bit about the museum. I, I feel like I read that it, that the lighthouse had been, had been working for a while and then was sort of was it destroyed during Katrina and you renovated how, how, what happened there? Yeah, so that lighthouse has actually been in that location since the early 1800s. Wow. Yes. So um, it was a lighthouse constructed for navigation to the entrance of the new canal. That is the real name given to this body of water back in the early 1800s was named the new canal. Um, And so that lighthouse was constructed at the entrance of the new canal back in the early 1800s. You know, fast forward through the years, various storms, um, construction, you name it. Um, There's been several iterations of a building there, but there's always been a lighthouse there. And post-World War II, that station was converted to a Coast Guard station. Hmm. And it remained a Coast Guard station up until 2005, um, when the actual building was destroyed in Katrina, as you mentioned. So the Coast Guard, you know, obviously remains on Lake Pontchartrain. They've got that beautiful brand new facility in Bucktown. And because they had left the demolished facility there at the end of West End, we came in and said, we really want to operate that. Can we reconstruct it and operate it as a museum? 
Um, so we were able to work with both the federal government and the Coast Guard to reclaim some of those materials to rebuild the replica and the state as well uh, to rebuild it. And now we opened it in 2013 as a museum. I love that. that yeah, is so, so it's neat. open to the public. So come and see us. Great. And are people are people allowed in currently with the COVID situation? Yes, we are open to the public. Uh, we opened midsummer when the guidelines allowed us to. We do have some, you know, rules in place. Obviously, masks are required. We do ask that folks call in advance uh, just to check in and make sure there isn't currently too many people on site. Uh, we have the option for individuals to do a self-guided tour with an app. So we have the whole tour in an app or we have tour guides that can walk you through. It just depends on kind of your comfort level. But of course, on days like today when the weather is just perfect, there's a great outdoor view. You can actually come anytime during our open, our open hours. We have tables set up underneath the lighthouse and you can eat lunch there. You can bring your own lunch and just sit out and enjoy the view. And there's no cost for that. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's been really popular. People just love to come eat lunch and sit outside. You know, we've got tables, we've got shade, or we've got sun, depending on what you want. We also have restrooms, so that's just also a little bonus if you want to hang out outside all day. That sounds so lovely. And I think that leads me to my next question, which is a, a kind of about staycations and just enjoying the, the natural resources and, and places like this museum in Louisiana and Jefferson Parish. We had launched a campaign a couple of months ago called the Spend Local JP campaign, which was really focused on getting residents to spend their dollars here in the here in the community and just, you know, giving back and, and trying to to take care of our businesses. But Another big piece of that is just reminding residents to stay here and enjoy what we have here. And so can you talk a little bit, and you have mentioned this a little bit before, but can you talk about the value of having these kinds of beautiful natural spaces for people to enjoy and, you know, what that means for our community? Oh, of course. I mean, just for us, I mean, we're very spoiled. We get this view every day to look out on the lake. And I think you know, when we are just kind of hustling and bustling about in our daily jobs, we forget that we have this beautiful giant body of water with a vista. You don't even see any hard infrastructure when you look out across the lake. You can just see all the way to the horizon, just clear blue water. Um, and to get out and just look at that and watch the birds, watch people out enjoying riding their bikes and walking, it's very calming. And I think with all the stresses that people have these days, you know, with COVID, with the pandemic, with potential impacts to their jobs, to family members. It's great to just get outside, get a breath of fresh air and enjoy the beauty that we have in our backyard. I think a lot of people forget it really is right there. It's not far, it's not a long drive. You can do it on your lunch break, just go out and enjoy the view. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. One of the things that has come out of this pandemic, at least for me and my husband, and I know some of my friends as well, is, you know, we were so, it's, there's always, you're right, such a hustle and bustle. And because you can't, you, especially in the beginning, you couldn't really go anywhere except outside. I mean, I, I think we discovered so many places that we had never been in the many, many years that we have lived here. And they were all outdoors. But I do think that this time in our period of history has really forced people to kind of take a step back and remember 
what we have here. Very true. I agree. It's it's such an interesting time, but I it is really nice to know that we have all of these these resources here in our community and just the natural beauty. I mean, living in Louisiana, it's just gorgeous here. And I'm not from down here originally, as people who have listened to this podcast will know. But I mean, I just feel so grateful that I get to live in a place with just just so many different types of of nature and trails. And, you know, there's, it's just fantastic. I I love it here. (laughs) Yeah, all sorts of different habitat. I mean, we even have, you know, beautiful urban waterways, Bayou St. John in New Orleans, getting out to the Bucktown Boardwalk on Lake Pontchartrain, all along the North Shore. There's some beautiful areas to access the lake along the North Shore. Mm -hmm. And who knows, you may even see an alligator while you're out there. I love that. <laughs> As a northerner, every time I see an alligator, <laughs> right. I'm like, oh my gosh, the alligator. And I know a lot of people who live down here are like, we see them all the time, but I'm I, it gets me every time. I love <laughs> I love an alligator. <laughs> well, let's talk about, and you have mentioned this before, but the power of partnerships. You work with a lot of different people and groups to accomplish your goals and visions. How important is it for you to have buy-in from your community and not just from the politicians, but from, from volunteers as well. Oh, it's, we couldn't do the work we do without having these secure partnerships. And that's how we approach every issue. So, um, you know, if, for example, there's a waterway within the basin that, you know, is encountering some issues, whether it's urban runoff or, you know, you name it from the business, we, you know, immediately jump in with the business and say, hey, let's work together. We all want the same thing here. We all want clean water. And we are a nonprofit. We're not an enforcement agency. We want to work together with these folks to come together to get clean water, to restore the coast. And we've had great success with that. And so I really credit a lot of the people that have been here longer than me, you know, at building up that reputation for us, that credibility, so that people know when we come in, we want to work with you. And it's worked. It's a great way to approach a problem, to all say, we're all here for the same thing because we do live here. And if you're going to live here, you've got to have it, you know, where you can enjoy it. So um, it's been great. And we really appreciate the community and the business owners in the area opening the door to us and allowing, you know, us to sit at the table. So how can people, maybe volunteers, get involved with the Pontchartrain Conservancy? Well, if you would have asked me this question before March, I probably could have gone on and on way too long with opportunities to volunteer. Things are a bit more challenging these days. Um, One thing that we do have coming up, though, this fall, so uh, as we approach winter season here in South Louisiana, it's tree planting time. So we will begin our tree planting activities out in the swamp starting uh, later this month. And we'll have those opportunities available on a pretty pretty regular basis between October and about February. How we're going to do that with volunteers, we haven't really quite sorted out yet, but we're heavily dependent upon volunteers to help us get trees in the ground. Mm. We all know we need those trees to protect us from storm surge. So um, we're just stay tuned. We're going to have information on our website at scienceforourcoast.org for how people can come out and plant trees. The other thing that we always need is when you're outside enjoying nature and taking a walk around or a bike ride is be sure to pick up litter if you see it. Pick it up. It gets into our waterways when it rains, when the wind blows, and that's harmful to marine life and birds. So anytime you see litter, help out the basin by picking it up. What is your very favorite part about the work that you do? Uh, Why is this so very near and dear to your heart? 
Well, for me, it's near and dear to my heart because I've lived here my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I do remember what can happen when we don't take care of our own backyard because I've seen it. I've seen what Lake Pontchartrain can become. And of course, I don't want us to get back to that. So it's just near and dear to me having, again, lived here my whole life. Um, I plan to stay here for the rest of my life, raising children here. I want them to appreciate all that we have here. Um, and really, if you ask me my favorite part of my job, it's really talking about it because I love to brag on the great work that we do. So I just I have so much fun talking to people like you today, Kelsey, to you know hear about the great work that we do. It's just it's so fun. Well, I have so enjoyed this because, you know, for me, my job is so, I'm so ingrained in the business community and, you know, we're spending a lot of time talking to business owners. This is kind of a little bit outside of, of the realm of what I'm used to. And so I've really enjoyed just learning a little bit more about what you do. And, you know, I, I would like to try to tie this back to business in some way. You know, you, you're an organization that's based in Jefferson Parish. You recently moved your facility to Jefferson Parish. Is that right? Well, you know, over the years, this organization has moved its offices to various places. So we actually at one point did have an office in Jefferson Parish. Then there was a period of time where we did not have an office in Jefferson Parish, but we are back in Jefferson Parish. We just moved back to Jefferson Parish in June of 2020. Okay. Um, so we have a small office um, in on Causeway. It's not really our, you know, pretty office that we like to show off like the new Canal Lighthouse Museum. But, you know, I think when you talk about businesses in the area and, and how we contribute to helping the business community prosper, you know, we want to make sure that this community thrives. Our vision statement has prosperity in it because we want to make sure that, you know, communities that live around the lake all throughout the basin appreciate what we have here and know how valuable it is and want to stay and grow and thrive, whether it's Jefferson Parish or any of the parishes in the basin. You know, we did the, um, I don't know if you've ever done the headline exercise where, you know, you kind of sit around a room and you brainstorm, what would you like to see on a newspaper headline 20 years from now? My favorite headline is property values around Lake Pontchartrain are the most expensive in the country. And that would just go to show you how great it is to live on Lake Pontchartrain now. And if we keep it up, it would be the most valuable real estate in the country. I love that. And I love that exercise. I'm going to implement that in our in our office as, as the marketing person for our for our team. I think that's a really good idea. I love that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I also want to mention, too, and we've talked about this, but just, you know, all of the work that you are doing is is here so that our so that our community can be here and, you know, a hundred years or 300 years. And all of that ties back to business too. I mean, you certainly can't do business in a community if the community is underwater or if, you know, it's been wiped out by a hurricane. And I know that those things sound so incredibly dire, but that really is what you guys are doing is that the work that you're doing is, is here to preserve this community. That's exactly right. So, you know, what we bring to the table is science. So we want to make sure that as decisions are made and as money is spent on, you know, there's a long list of potential projects out there. What we bring in is trying to prioritize those projects based on the science that we've collected. So working with the parish, working with the state, as they look at some ideas to keep the community from flooding, we can come in and say, hey, here's what we see and here's what we think you should do because we've studied this and we know this is going to protect you 
whether it's from storm surge or heavy rain or both. But you're right. If we don't do anything or we just build projects kind of hodgepodge and out of sequence, there's a real risk to this community. I mean, we are very vulnerable here. There is no doubt. And we can't live in a bubble and pretend that we're not vulnerable because we are. But there is a way to protect us. And I think that's the takeaway message here is that we can do this. We can do this as long as we follow the plan. I was thinking about this as you were talking, and I don't know if this all ties in together or not, but you know, a big buzzword that we have as we are building new developments in Jefferson Parish now is this you know, stormwater management and coming up with ways to live with water. I mean, I, I'm assuming that that sort of ties in with the work that you that you and your team do too. It um, does. So, I mean, not just rainwater, but any water, right? So making sure that we still appreciate the lake and we learn to live with it, not demonize it, not close it off with flood walls and floodgates, but get out there and enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you'd like to share that I didn't ask? I feel like I asked you about a thousand questions, but I'm learning as I'm going along myself. So certainly I don't want to miss anything that's very important for you that you wanted to share today. Well, we do actually have um, a fun event coming up next week on October 14th at the New Canal Lighthouse Museum. We're doing a monthly series out there where we'll be talking about our work. Um, so we've got a series with, it is going to be offered in person and virtually um, on a Wednesday evening outside at the museum to talk about our work. And so we'll have varying topics out there. Um, so I encourage folks to follow us along on social media and our website to come out and just hear more about what we do. Perfect. And we will share links to your website and your social media on um, on our blog post that we do for the podcast. Um, right. So folks will have access to that for sure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Christy. This has been a very illuminating and interesting conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been wonderful to talk with you. And I just thank you so much for your time and for the work that you are doing to, to you know, take care of our waterways. We love that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And we love, we love working with Jefferson Parish and Jedco. So thank you for having me on today. A special thanks to Christy for taking time out of her busy schedule to be on the show. We will share links to the Pontchartrain Conservancy's website and social media channels on our podcast blog. Podcasts can be found in the newsroom at jedco.org. Last month, Hurricane Laura devastated parts of southwest Louisiana. Even now, people in Lake Charles are still feeling the impacts of this storm. JEDCO joins a team of professional organizations that are collecting donations for the Southwest Louisiana Economic Development Alliance to help aid in recovery efforts. Business communities and organizations are in dire need right now. So please consider supporting our efforts with a donation to the Southwest Louisiana Economic Development Alliance Foundation, a 501c3 corporation. You can make a tax-deductible donation at paypal.me slash swalliancefoundation. That's paypal.me slash SW Alliance Foundation. Every little bit helps. As we continue in phase three, JEDCO is here to help businesses navigate through the COVID-19 pandemic. We have valuable resources and information on our website. We've also launched the Spend Local JP campaign to encourage residents to spend their dollars locally. We have a great site with many different ways to elevate our small local businesses. You can find our COVID-19 resources, our Spend Local page, information about our financing opportunities, and much more at jedco.org. If this is your first time tuning into the show, there are plenty more episodes where this one came from. 
Our episodes are released on Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you stream your favorite podcasts. If you like our show, feel free to leave us a rating or a review. Those reviews help others find our show and listen in. We share links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. Again, you can also visit our website at jedco.org. If you have feedback about the show or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at kscram at jedco.org. I absolutely love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. See you back here next week.